Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. The big news is, uh, over this last period of time, since we haven't had a previous service, I trimmed like an inch and a half off of my beard. And so I was coming in today, you know, like ready for everybody to go, oh man, look what happened. And then Pastor Sean comes in and has taken industrial sheep shearers or something to his beard. And so next week, shaving the eyebrows. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, no, fingers crossed. Okay. But uh, no, I'm really glad uh, that there's no uh, ice apocalypse this week like we had last Sunday. Um, tongue in cheek there. It took me about um, 24 hours to forgive all the meteorologists who overhyped that. But uh, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today because I really think that uh, God wants to um, upgrade a lot of our um, approach and understanding of how prayer works. So to start off, let's pray. Father, we love you. We bless your holy name. We're so thankful, God, that you allow us the awesome privilege and the awesome honor to approach you, to speak to you, that you listen to us, that you care about us, that you love us. Lord, we know who you are. You are the king of all kings. You are the Lord of all lords, the alpha, the omega, the ancient of days, the first and the last, the most high. And yet you care about what we have to say. You care about what we think. You care about what's going on in our life. And you have made a way for us to approach your throne of grace. And Lord, we are eternally grateful for that. So Father, I pray that today you would give us a spirit of revelation and understanding. That we could understand the way to pray that you have laid out in your word. And that we might weed out any unscriptural or religious ways that are in us that we have just picked up over time that are not effective and are not what you want. And so, God, we come to you ready to yield to your Holy Spirit right now to submit to what your word says and to be taught by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I knew that I was going to be speaking here sometime the first of the year, and I knew that uh, I was going to be talking about prayer. Um, w- one of the reasons for that is, uh, over the last year, at times when, when I've had the, the chance to kind of focus on it, I've worked on the idea of developing a formal prayer ministry for Journey Church, something that's got a purpose, a vision, uh, an objective, a structure, something that would reach out to the body and minister, but it would also create an opportunity for many of you to be involved with it and be leaders in it. And that's something that God laid on my heart to do, but kind of with 
the, the caveat that it's, it's not the main priority, but it is something that needs to be done. And so as the opportunity has arisen, I've kind of worked on that. And, and my intention has always been up to about a month ago that the first of the year, 2017, this thing was going to be rolled out and, and introduced to all of you, and, and uh, all of this, this opportunity for you to, to participate was going to be provided. And then when Pastor Sean began talking about better before bigger uh, last year, I started thinking about this whole thing of this prayer ministry, and I realized that this is another area that needs to get better before it gets bigger. And so what I want to do today is I want us to all look at what the Bible says about prayer, what Jesus specifically says about prayer, and I want to look, I want us to all kind of evaluate ourselves. Just be real honest with yourself and say, am I doing these things? Am I doing what the Word says? Am I doing what Jesus says? Or am I doing this other thing over here? And at the end of the day, my hope is that, and I believe God's plan is that you will walk out of here more effective in the way that you pray. Does that sound like a good thing to three people? <laughs> no, it is a good thing, and that's what we're going to do. So I, I get ideas from really strange sources sometimes. And a couple of weeks ago, I was driving into the church uh, some day during the week, and I was passing this big cow pasture, and all of these cows were, were congregated all together in a big group up by the fence near the road, except for one lonely cow that was making its way across this pasture. And to kind of just paint a mental picture for you, this big stretch of land uh, was just covered in this nice, tall, even grass, except for the path that this cow was walking. And it was completely worn down, and it was basically a rut in this field. And, and uh, I saw that cow, and my mind said, that's kind of like how people pray. And you may be saying, how did you get from the cow to prayer? But, it's, but I told you, I've been thinking about this. And you know, what, you know why, they're that, why that rut was in that field? Because all those cows had walked on that same path hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times and worn it down. And so this cow that was making its way over to where the others were was just simply walking in the same path that had been cut by hundreds before it. There may have been a better way to go. There may have been a more direct route. But it was just walking almost on autopilot in this path that had been cut by all the others that came before it. And I think that sometimes that's what we do when we pray. You may have a denominational background. You may have another type of background. You may have a completely unchurched background. And your concept of what prayer is and how prayer works is affected by all of those different things. It should also be affected by what the Bible says. But I think sometimes we get a mixture of what the Bible says about prayer and what we've seen others do or what was normal uh, or cultural in a way that we were brought up. And so what we've got to do is we've got to go in, look at what the Bible says, and divide that out. And let's just go with what Jesus says. So 
That's what I want to do today. Let's get off of the cow path and let's get on to God's way of praying. So I'm just going to lay it all out for you. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you three questions today that I want you to kind of use as a, a litmus test for yourself, to kind of a way to evaluate yourself. And uh, just as we go through these questions, ask yourself, where am I at on this thing, this thing, and this thing? So the first question is, why do we pray? Why do we pray? The second question is, what is prayer? And then the third question is, how do we pray? So we've got a why, we've got a what, and we've got a how. So I had to like cut tons of this message off in the first service because I got about three quarters of the way through and I looked at the clock. So uh, I'm going to try to go a little faster for you guys. And you guys might get the ending that the other guys didn't. So if any first service people come up and ask me what it was, I'll send them to you. So here we go. The why. Why do we pray? We pray because God is a father who wants to spend time with his kids. That's why we pray. That's the reason we pray. Um, God created you for his pleasure. Now, I've read tons of books, listened to tons of messages, preached some messages about how our purpose is to serve God. Our purpose is to save souls. Our purpose is to feed the poor. Our purpose is to do all these things. Um, And while those are all things that we've been called to do, our purpose is not to do those things. Our purpose is to be God's kids. And if you have any doubt about that, look at what Revelation says. This is a Revelations chapter 4, verse 11. And this is out of the King James. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You were created out of a deep desire that God has to be in a relationship with you. You, All day long here, as we're talking about prayer, we're going to keep coming back to the idea that God's desire is for you to pray because he wants to be with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to be in communion with you. Prayer is not so much why you want to pray. It's why God wants us to pray. And listen to this. When we reduce prayer to a religious exercise or obligation, we cheapen the relationship that God wants to have with us. Let me say it one more time. When we reduce prayer to a religious exercise or obligation, we cheapen and limit the relationship that God wants to have with us. So why we pray is because God is a father who wants to have a relationship with his kids. He wants to spend time with his kids. So knowing that, let's answer the next question. What is prayer? You can go to a a theological college or seminary and take class after class after class uh, and have all kinds of academic definitions of what prayer is. I'm going to reduce it down to the simplest terms. Prayer is relating with God. Prayer is relating with God. And so from this point forward, I want you to think about 
God as your father. And for those of you who have kids, this is going to be um, probably easier to do um, than if you don't have kids. But I, I, I use this tool of often myself because I've got kids. And I know how I feel about my kids. And I know what I want out of my relationship with my kids. And I know what I want out of the time that I spend with my kids. And if I'm an imperfect father, and God is a perfect father, how much more does he want out of his relationship with me or with you? So I want you to think about now, let's frame prayer in that reference right there, who God is as a father, and he looks at us as his kids, and he wants to spend time with us. Okay, uh, think about this. James 4.8 says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And no matter how long I have spent reading the Bible, listening to sermons, praying, reading books, I, I never get over how awesome that verse is. If we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. I'm just floored by that. And so there's a promise in his word that God will come close to us if we pray because he values that relationship. Now, just in case you're asking yourself or you're, or you're saying, uh, wait a minute, I thought prayer was supposed to be about us telling God things that needs to be, telling God things he needs to do, you know, telling God who's sick and telling God who needs a miracle and, and praying for our country and, and, and praying for, you know, isn't that what prayer is all about? Or what about this? I thought prayer was about telling God how great he is and worshiping him and, and, and falling down on, his, on our face before him. After all, Jesus' own disciples who were so close to him and the disciple that, that laid his head on Jesus' chest during the Last Supper, when they saw Jesus glorified, they fell down on their face. And won't we just be falling down on our face and worshiping God? Well, there's a difference between worship and prayer. And so right now, let's separate those two, those two ideas. They're both a part of how we relate to God. But worship is a response to a revelation that we have about God's holiness, His glory, His goodness. When we see how good He is, we respond in worship. And so we relate to God, the Lord, through worship. We relate to God, our Father, in prayer. And so I want to say that because I don't want you to think that I'm trying to just push out this idea of worshiping God as being unimportant. It's not unimportant at all. But I want to emphasize the fact or the idea that prayer is all about relating to God as our Father. And you know what? That, like I say, that's God's will. We have a right that God has given us to relate to Him on that basis. Look at what it says in Romans 8.15. It says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. You know, Abba is just a term of endearment that means daddy. And when Paul 
uses that phrase, adoption to sonship. If you go back and do a little bit of original Greek study, original Greek meaning, that phrase is talking about a legal right in the Roman culture to be considered an adopted heir, an adopted heir, okay? So someone who has a right to the inheritance. So what Paul is saying is, because of what Jesus has done, we have a legal right that God has given us to approach him as our father. So you have that right to approach him as your father and you as his kid, as his child. So we talked about that why we pray is that God is a father who wants to spend time with his kids. We've talked about what prayer is. It's just simply us relating to God as our father. And now I want to spend the bulk of our time on the third question of how to pray, okay? But in order to talk about how to pray, we first have to talk about how not to pray. Because really, that's probably, for most people, the bigger issue. Um, and let me make this statement right here. And just some of you may be jarred by this statement, and some of you will say, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. But let's go ahead and put it up. There is no value or virtue in prayer. There is only value or virtue in relationship with God. Prayer in and of itself has no value. How could you say that, Aaron? Every religion has prayer as a feature of that religion. Buddhists pray, Muslims pray, Hindus pray. Prayer, apart from a relationship with God, has no value. So just because someone seems to be praying or, or is doing something that appears to be prayer-like doesn't have intrinsically built into it any actual value. The value that comes from praying comes from our relationship with God. And this is where we have to be careful because Religion, since it has prayer as a feature, religion can creep into the way we pray. And we can get religious about how we pray. Now, anybody in this room who has a relationship with Jesus knows that following Jesus is not a religion. It's not a religion. It's not like Buddhism. It's not like Islam. It's not like any religion. It is a relationship, and it's real. And religion comes in and takes the reality out of it and the life out of it. And so we have to guard against uh, religious prayer. I was watching um, a video a couple weeks ago when I was kind of doing some research for this, and I thought, I have to show this video when I talk that day. So let's go ahead and roll this video. Check it out. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you want me to, you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. 
Right, then they explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to, to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. She was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. Lord, you said, but seek. S is in search. E is in everywhere. E is in excellent. K is in kingdom. You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not gonna let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord, you are good. You were good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosy moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly, amen. Okay, so... Here's a, here's a question you can ask yourself, a little test you can give yourself. If someone walks in off the street that has never set foot in a church before, never prayed a prayer, and they hear you pray, are they going to understand what you're saying? Now, you're not praying to them. You're not praying for, their, for the purpose of them hearing you. But what my point is, if you have to change the way that you talk, and who you are in order to pray, what's happening there? Does God need that? Does God need you to talk different? And so here's what I've done. Um, I, I've kind of identified some different ways that I've seen that crop up. And before I get to that, I want to just read real quick what Jesus said. Uh, because, you know, Jesus was asked by his disciples to teach them how to pray. They, they heard Jesus praying, and they came to him, and they said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray the way that John the Baptist teaches his disciples? And so then what follows, the, the verses that follow, are a wonderful gift to us because it's Jesus specifically saying this is how you pray. But before Jesus says how to pray, he teaches against religious prayer. And so let's take a look at that real quick. Matthew uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 5, Jesus says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Now, notice real quick. Jesus didn't say you must not be like the Pharisees, you must not be like the Sadducees. He used a very general, broad term, hypocrite. Someone who is uh, uh, 
presenting something that is not real, something that's counterfeit, or something that is being uh, done for an ulterior motive, okay? Uh, so it wasn't just the Pharisees he was talking about. It could be anybody. But he says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. King James actually says vain repetitions as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So... What's Jesus saying here? One thing that Jesus is saying is hypocrites love to pray. Hypocrites love to pray. That's what Jesus said. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray standing on the streets and in front of the synagogues where people will hear them. So, again, the idea of prayer in and of itself has no value. It's only when there's a real relationship with God And that's the motivation, and that's the reason why you pray, that prayer has value. So Jesus says, hypocrites love to pray. So what I want to do is I want to outline, in the the years that I've been in all kinds of different kinds of prayer meetings and prayed with different sizes of groups of people, I've kind of noticed three basic categories of what I would call religious prayer. And let me say this, and please hear me when I say this. I have been in every one of these categories. So I'm not just up here casting stones, okay? I've been there too. But I've seen these, and I think it's worth pointing them out because you may feel like you fall into one of these categories, and if you do, Let's repent and let's get right and let's start praying in an effective way. So, three basic categories of religious prayer. The first category I call the televangelist. Now, I'm not talking about a certain televangelist. I'm, I'm talking about a, a, an overall category here. And but without even saying anything more, if you think about the way someone talks, and I say televangelist, you get an idea in your head of what that sounds like, right? And so, well, I can think of a couple examples. Um, Not naming any names. But years years ago, different church, different town, um, completely in the past. um, I was on staff there, and we would have midweek prayer meetings. And um, they were actually real similar to like what we do uh, at TNT. You know, everybody comes into the auditorium. We have a little praise and worship. Uh, and then everybody kind of prays. And, and, and the format of these prayer meetings back then was, like I say, very similar. However, there was a mic stand with a microphone right up front, down on the floor. And anybody who wanted to could come up and grab that mic, and just start leading the rest of the room uh, in prayer. 
And let me say this, a lot of it was really, really good. I mean, there were some really powerful things that happened, and uh, some of those meetings were really awesome. But what it eventually developed into was a little minority of people who began to monopolize the prayer meeting because of the microphone. And there was actually one lady in particular, um, and I don't, even, I don't even know her name, but I remember her very clearly. And if you talked to her outside of the meeting, um, just in a casual way, it just sounded like you or me in just regular conversation. But when she got the mic, the spirit of J.R.R. Tolkien came on her. And her language shifted into some weird combination of old King James and the Lord of the Rings. And she would, she would start praying and it would be, and even from the plains of Moab there shall come forth, even rising up as this rising sun, there shall be like a sheet coming down. And, the, and you would get this and it would go on and on and on and on and on for like maybe 10 minutes. And I've heard people give prophetic words and I've heard things that, that you know, yeah, that's God, that's, that's awesome. But at the end of all of that, it made no sense. None of it made any sense. There wasn't any real coherence to it. It was just a lot of King Jamesy sounding words, all kind of sewed together. And eventually, one day, the pastor just jumped up and just grabbed the mic from her and said, thank you very much for that prayer. Let's just move on. And then after that, the mic mysteriously disappeared. And we just kind of prayed as a church from there on out, just kind of corporately. And then there was, a, there was another lady who's a wonderful, wonderful lady, very, very nice, very awesome lady, uh, who I liked very much. And again, she would, if you were talking to her in a regular conversation, just very normal, just like this, just, you know, casual talk. Uh, but then when she would pray, she would start like channeling Paula Dean. Or something, and this like Southern Bell uh, accent would start coming on her, and she said, "Ma'am, could you lead us out in prayer?" Sure, I'd be happy to lead you out in prayer. Let's let's all pray. Lord Jesus, we just come before you now, Jesus, and we pray. And I remember the first time that happened, and I was in this prayer meeting, and uh, I had my eyes closed, and she started praying, and my eyes popped open. And I was like, "What's going on?" And that's just how she prayed. Now, like I say, I'm not picking on her. I really like this lady. But does God need her to talk like that? Does God need you to, to talk like the Lord of the Rings? Or, or was King James God's original language and he understands us better if, if we throw in a thee or a thou or, a, or, a, or whatever? No. And so... The televangelist is someone who feels when they pray that they need to somehow change their voice or change themselves, that somehow God won't accept just regular old me. Uh, I know a guy, uh, boy, not name names. There was a friend of mine. Uh, in the church where we were at um, before we came here. And when we would have prayer meetings, and whenever he would pray, 
he would, he, his voice would become like this, and it would start to uh, tremble and stuff. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Sean and I talk about ghost voice sometimes, because the ghost voice is when you start talking like this, and, and your voice goes up and down in a trembly way. Listen, it doesn't mean you're a bad person, but that is religion. That's not real. God wants a relationship. God wants you. He doesn't want your idea of what is spiritual. He just wants you. And so if that's something that as you look at yourself, you, you know, I do kind of sound different when I pray. That's, that's the televangelist. So work on that. Uh, the second type of person is what I call the seminary professor. And uh, like I said, I've fallen into this category myself. Um, I'm guilty. But the seminary professor is someone who, when they pray, they feel the need to be as, uh, to show their vocabulary and their depth of wisdom and knowledge of all things scriptural and doctrinal and theological. And so it's maybe not as obvious or overt as the televangelist, but it's still another form of religion. If you change who you are when you pray, and you're not just yourself praying, and you, you have to use tons and tons and tons of words and, and things, you, you know, you start becoming a little bit close to that person that Jesus was describing when he said, they stand on the street corners and they pray for people to hear him, and they think God's going to hear them because of their many words. And, you know, we already, we, we went over where Jesus said, God already knows what you need before you ask. And so your many words sometimes aren't necessary. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. And so the point here is to stay focused on that relationship with God as your father. And after all, a prayer is a conversation, right? And so a conversation works both ways. You talk and you listen. And between me and God, who do you think has the more important thing to say? So many words is not always what God is looking for. The last person, oh, it's not a person, the last category, and anybody who's been in a corporate prayer meeting with other people, you've heard an example of this, is what I call the harbinger of doom, okay? The harbinger of doom. And this is the person where if you're in a prayer meeting and you're praying and things are just really popping and, and, and it's two or three people have prayed and you feel the Spirit of God start to just well up and, and you're up there and it's like, God, we thank you, Lord. You are doing awesome things in this place. People are getting saved, delivered, and healed. And we know that we've just scratched the surface and you're going to do things this year that are awesome, Lord God. Yes, people have problems, but Lord, you said that you set us free and healed. The Son says free is free indeed. And all this is going on. And then the harbinger of doom begins to pray. And you start to feel yourself weighed down by despair. Because they may be praying something like, well, Lord, we pray for Cousin Shirley. <sighs> because we know, Lord, that 
she's got a drug problem and, and, and she's not getting free and it's getting worse. And, and now she has cancer and, and, and it's just getting worse, Lord. And she's under so much attack by the enemy, bless his holy name. And we, uh, we know, Lord, that now she's losing her job and her kids are, they're walking away. And when you have 10 minutes of negativity just spewed out. Listen, listen, I'm saying this out of nothing but love. That is not praying the prayer of faith. Now, I am not saying that you have to ignore every bad thing and just pretend like everything's roses. But when God says, when the Word of God says, cast your cares upon me, He's not saying to list every single horrible, terrible thing, magnify those things and exalt every bad thing that's going on in your life. He's saying, take all that junk and give it to me. The Bible says in Proverbs that life and death are in the power of the tongue and those that love it will eat of its fruit. If you love negativity, you will eat of its fruit. If you love positivity, the promise of God, the hope that God brings, you will eat of its fruit. And listen to this. If you set your mind on the promises of God, your heart will begin to harden towards your problems. But if you set your mind on your problems, your heart will begin to harden toward the promises of God. And so when we pray, we need to pray in faith. You know, Jesus said that when you have a problem, you should speak to your problem. When you have a situation, a circumstance, you should speak to the circumstance. Don't talk to God about the circumstance because what did we just read in Matthew? Jesus said, your father already knows what you need. He already knows. He doesn't need to know everything that's going on with cousin Shirley. He knows it all. You should speak. Jesus talked about in, in uh, the story of where, the, where Jesus and the disciples were walking by the fig tree. And, and Jesus, there was no fruit from the fig tree. So Jesus curses the fig tree. And then when they come back, they see that the fig tree is withered. And they say, how did this happen? And uh, Jesus says to them, uh, truly I say to you that if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Notice Jesus doesn't say, you will say to God about this mountain. Oh God, the mountain is so big. The mountain is so terrible. The mountain is so horrible. No, you will say to the mountain. And then Jesus adds, and whatever you ask in prayer, ask in faith. And so what Jesus is saying is, speak to your problem and pray to God. So we've talked about how not to pray. I want to kind of wrap things up here today and just talk about how to pray. And it's very simple. It's very simple. Because Jesus outlined all of this. <clears throat> now, this is coming out of the same passage that we've been reading out of Matthew 6, where Jesus is talking about what we call the Lord's Prayer. Okay? A lot of you know what that is. And you, and you know this, I'm sure, but 
the Lord's Prayer is something that was never intended to just be recited. Because remember, the reason we pray is that God is a father who wants to have a relationship and spend time with his kids. And prayer is relating to God as our father. And so if the way we relate to God is by going, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this. That's not a relationship. That's quoting a memory verse. And it's not wrong, but it's not a relationship, and it's not prayer. And so Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer as a pattern and as a guide on how to pray. So what he's saying is, look, when you start to pray, start off by praising God. Father in heaven, your name is awesome. Your name is to be praised. You are great, God. Start off by praising God. Because guess what? If you start off by telling God how awesome he is, it's going to change the way you look and perceive your problem or the thing you're about to pray for or the person you're about to pray for. If you start off with the context of how great is God, then it's going to change how big you think your problem is. Then you can bring your petition. Then Jesus says, uh, you know, seek God's wisdom and plan for your life. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Meet our needs, Lord God. Help us to forgive people the way that you forgave us. Lord, don't lead us. Your way doesn't lead us into sin. Deliver us from the evil one. There's where all your petitions are. There's where all the things you ask God for belong. And then Jesus says, finish up again with praise. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So it's kind of a praise sandwich, if you want to think of it that way. Start off praising God. Bring God the things that you want to talk to him about and ask him about. And, just, and sit there with God. Listen. Take time listening. If you've got something that's bothering you, bring it up. Don't dwell on the negativity. Dwell on God's promises. But bring it up. Ask and you will receive. But then end with praise. So this is what we need to take out of here today. We pray because God loves us. Because his desire is to spend time with us. You know, you can pray all day long. You know that, right? That doesn't mean that you're in your prayer closet on your knees all day long. You can start your day off doing that for a half an hour or an hour or whatever time you've got to give to that. But you can continue on with God through the whole day. I talk to God throughout the day like he's there because guess what? He is there. And that's what he wants. He wants to spend time with us. We need to understand that prayer is our way of relating to God as our Father. And we need to pray the way that God laid out for us to pray. And one of the biggest things, as far as my goal for sharing this with you today, is that we identify anything in our prayer life that is not of God, that's not what Jesus said to do, that's just some religious thing that we picked up from somewhere. And we all do it. I've done it. But let's get it out and let's be real with God. Amen? 
So let's, here's your assignment for this week. Pray every day. And when you pray, think about God as your Father. And not just your Father, but the Father who loves you. The Father that's perfect. The Father that created you for the express purpose to spend time with you. And let that affect the way that you communicate with Him and pray with Him. And just watch what will happen to everything else in your walk with God. Okay? Let's go ahead and close out with prayer. And then we're going to praise God one more time. Father, we love you, God. We say right now, Lord, that we want to know you. That it's our desire above all else to know you. Lord, like David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in your house than to live in the beautiful, nice tents of the wicked. I'd rather spend one day with you than a thousand anywhere else. So God, we desire to know you, to serve you, and walk with you. And Father, we pray that this week as we go out and we, and, and we endeavor to connect with you in a more real way, that as your word says, as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And that we could experience a deeper relationship and a deeper walk with you than ever before. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.